Well, hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? Are you good? I feel so much better after I ate a little bit. Man, are you glad you had a little lunch? Ah, oh, so yummy. Have to eat. What, what was y'all's lunch? I was trying to remember. I think I saw a sandwich. Okay. I had a salad. Oh, bunny food, huh? Just love you girls. So glad that you are here and um, just so excited of all that God is doing at our conference so far. Have you enjoyed it? Yes? Come on. It's been amazing. Yeah. I mean, every session, y'all, has just been like, woo, get you, right? I hope God's spoken to your heart already. Has he? Do you feel like, you know, I love when you go to a conference, it's like every session, God gives you a little nugget and you hold on to it. And I know that this app is just going to be the exact same. You're going to get something from every lady here. And just so excited about ARC Women. I hope that you follow us on Instagram and we post awesome blogs and just try to be there for you girls and resource you the best we can. And just know we love you. Whatever stage of life you're in, we love you. If you're a pastor's wife, you're a girl on staff, whatever you do, we're in this together, right? And we're cheering each other on. So we want to be each other's biggest fans. And I love the panel today. We've got a variety of girls, which is so cool. Not just pastor's wives, but we have a girl that's on a staff that she's over small groups. We have a campus pastor from Highlands, and then we have a pastor's wife. So it's going to be really interesting. And then we have two great, amazing hosts that are going to host this panel today, and I'm going to introduce them and get them to come up. Two girls that I just love. One's a Louisiana girl, one's a North Carolina girl. Um, we have Stacy Hennigan, who I've known a long time from Baton Rouge. In fact, I went to high school with her husband. So we have known each other a while. So she's a good central girl. And um, then we have Martha and her and her husband, excuse me, pastor in Arkansas, a great church there. And we just love them. And then Martha Fry, her and her husband, Matt, pastor in North Carolina. And they've been dear friends of ours for a long, long time. In fact, I thought about you this year with Duke. I was like, we got to go to another Duke game. I'm a big Duke fan, and we went to a Duke basketball game with them one time, and that was like one of the most fun times ever. I love basketball. So, um, and they lost. I was so mad in the tournament. I was like, how could they lose? Zion, what happened to him? Ugh. But anyway, that's another story, huh? But girls, can we just clap our hands for Martha Fry and Stacey Hennigan? They're going to do an awesome job hosting this panel. Woohoo! All right. Are you glad you're here this morning? Or to after, actually, it's this afternoon. Yeah, it just feels like it's really flown by. I am so uh, just privileged to be able to be here with you. But one thing I want to say, I want to echo the um, ARC theme this year. And of course, that's we're family. And one thing I love about family is that you can be yourself with family. Family sees you with no makeup. Family sees you when you're gross. Family sees you when you haven't washed your hair for five days. So since we're all family in here, we can take off our mask and just be ourselves. I mean, just look to the lady next to you and tell her, girl, be yourself because I love you already. <laughs> and look to someone you don't know and tell her that. <laughs> How many of you guys don't have any makeup on right now because you cried through the whole morning sessions? This morning, 
just pretend, I mean, my eye makeup looked amazing. And then every session I cried. And then the next session I'm crying harder. And, and I have to say, so, you know, none of us are perfect in here. We're all on a level playing field so we can be real. So much so that as I was getting ready this morning, it's hot outside. And yet I put on closed toe shoes because my toenails are so gross. I'm like, we're not showing those. And I intentionally wore these jeans at this length because so I didn't want you to be able to see the hair that has not been shaved nearly all winter long. So don't peek the nice two inches. We are real women with real issues. So we're here to discuss those real issues in our vulnerabilities, all right? Awesome. So we want to invite the panel up. We have Celeste, Tamika, and Rachel. You guys come up. So you guys come up and have a seat. Stacy. why they're coming up, why don't you tell us about you and your family, and then we're going to let them okay. introduce themselves. Yeah. I have uh, three children. Holland is my daughter. I wish I'd have pictures for you, but she is uh, 20. She just turned 20, and she's a uh, sophomore at ORU, and she recently just started dating a guy, and her dad is freaking out a little bit. I'm going to be come honest on. with you. He is. and uh, But he's a good guy. Then I have an 18-year-old son uh, graduating high school, ready to go to ORU in the fall, and then I have a 13-year-old caboose who keeps us young and on our knees asking the Lord. In fact, um, whenever he was a little younger, his dad was putting him to bed and he was hugging his dad and he said, Dad, I want to be a pastor just like you. It's sweet, right? But it doesn't end there. He said, why, buddy? Do you love people? And he goes, no, I want to make a buttload of money. So we've either done something really good or really bad. We don't know yet, but that's my family. They keep me going. Awesome. Celeste, introduce yourself, Tess, and tell us about your family. Awesome. I'm Celeste. I'm with Celebration Church, Pastor Joe and Lori Champion. And my husband, Daniel, and I have been married for 15 years now. He's our creative pastor on staff. Um, I'm our small groups women's pastor, so I oversee all of our women's ministry. But my favorite joys are my three kiddos. I have a 14-year-old. I have entered the world of mothering a teenager. And uh, she's taller than me. She has long, dark hair and beautiful blue eyes, and I'm scared to death. (laughs) And uh, my son is 10 years old. He's my live wire, always makes me laugh when I don't want to. And my youngest is Kaya, and she's kind of the boss of the family. She wakes up with the list of telling us what she wants to do. So it's always a blast in our house. Awesome. Rachel. Well, my name is Rachel Irwin, and I'm here at Highlands with uh, Pastor Chris Hodges and Miss Tammy. And I'm a campus pastor in Montgomery, Alabama at our uh, capital city. Yeah. Um, And so (laughs) I see some hand clap. Give it up for Montgomery. And um, I also serve on staff. I work with our Dream Center in Montgomery. And um, so I've been on staff with Highlands for about six years. And um, I have two boys, a 12-year-old named Layton and a nine-year-old named Liam. And so that's them. Good, Tamika. Well, we are the lead pastors of Impact Church of Savannah in Savannah, Georgia. Yes. Um, we have three children, um, a 21-year-old, praise God, and um, he's married, and I'm a nini, which a nini is a younger grandmother, because I didn't expect to be a grandmother until I was like 70 or so. So, yes, I'm a nini, and uh, we have a 20-year-old, and then we also have a 15-year-old, so, yeah, it's my Awesome. Tribe. 
And I'm Martha Fry. We've been pastoring for 20 years. We just celebrated 20 years. We started the church 20 years ago. And um, we have our oldest is 23, I'm going to go with. And then details, details, you know, whatever. And then um, my second daughter just got married this past fall, and she's actually my husband's assistant. So Caroline, will you just stand up so they can see you, lovely? There's my daughter. She went to Highlands College, and then my 20-year-old son, who's super handsome, is engaged. So sorry for all you moms who are trying to get your daughters connected. But Emily, my daughter-in-law, soon to be, is in here. Emily, stand up. We're so excited. Yay, there's my future daughter-in-law. So we're all, that's the stage we're in, in this season. It's fun yes. stage. Fun yes. stage. Well, you know, I was just thinking, there's nothing, um, we all have insecurities. Let me say it that way. And there is nothing like leadership to bring out those insecurities, to expose them. And sometimes that's a good thing. But I found with my own life um, that I want to blame my circumstances for how I feel and for my insecurities. But most of the time, for me at least, my own self gets in the way. My own insecurities get in my own way, and I'm, I'm often my own stumbling block. So I just thought we could be real today and talk about some of the real issues that women in leadership face, and I hope that when you hear our answers that you'll realize they're no different than me, and we all struggle this together, and you know what? We're all trying to figure it out together. So let's learn from one another, and I want to start off with the question uh, for every one of us. What so far, I'll say so far, because we've not finished our course in ministry, what is the biggest challenge that you've had as a woman in leadership or in ministry? Well, um, I oversee all of our women's ministry under the direction of Pastor Lori, and just being around women 24-7, I think one of the biggest challenges has been creating authentic sisterhood. And um, I have two sisters. I'm the middle child, so I have both of those things working against me. <laughs> and I've uh, often heard it said that if you don't know how you can love your sister and want to strangle her neck at the same time, then you are an only child. <laughs> and uh, I, I believe that because I love my sisters dearly, but it, it was hard growing up sometimes and sharing beds together and sharing rooms and all of that. And I find that with women, there's such a competition always that's taking place. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't always champion and cheer each other on. I've heard women say, I'd rather work with men. Um, I don't want to be a part of women's miseries. And I think that that is um, a, a real struggle that we have to overcome. And when I think about the, the, the word, um, I look at Mary and Martha, and that's kind of what they fell into, the trap of comparison and also judging each other's thoughts. Like, you know, that's a hard place to be. Like when you start judging somebody else's intentions, it's a breeding ground for bitterness. Um, but then I look at other people who were like sisters from other misters, you know, and uh, Elizabeth and Mary, you know what? They cheered and championed each other on. And yeah. when they were going through the darkest, deepest times of their lives and they didn't know and no one else had been through their circumstance, they used each other mm -hmm. to say, hey, like, I don't know what to do uh, with the situation. And when they saw each other, they didn't say, oh, well, my son's going to be better than your son. Yeah. 
you know, mine's coming first, yours is going last. And uh, it was just this beautiful community that happened between them. And that's what I want to see happen with our Celebration Sisters, with our sisters globally, is that we're like cheering each other on. Like there's always room at the table. And even, you know, in our sisterhood experiences, like 90% of the time, I'm not the one on the stage because I want to give it away to other people. Like it's not about that. And I'm always looking to raise up other leaders and communicators and champion each other on, be quick to apologize and forgive and just be your authentic self. And I think you said something in your reply back to me of giving away those things that you like to do. I thought that was real. That, that impacted me because that's a sacrifice. I, um, I was just sharing with them that one of my favorite things is our Radiant Global. Um, we go into the prisons and we go into the detention center where all the illegal immigrants are housed. And I love it, y'all. It's like adrenaline for my soul. And last year, um, at the end of the year, the Lord began to speak to me about releasing some of those things to other people. And I was like, but I love it. Like, why don't you start with things that I don't like to do? You know, like my receipts. I don't like those, you know? But he starts with the things you like. And, um, but I also then just remembered and was reminded by God that he never takes away something without giving us something more. I didn't know I liked to go into the prisons until one day Pastor Joe said, well, we have campuses in the prison. Why aren't we doing writing conference there? And I was like, I don't know. And two months later, we had one, and I loved it, and I fell in love with it. And so the more we give away, the more God opens up our world, and he shows us things, and he wets our palate and just says, look at what I have for you. I can never dream this stuff up. He just is good. Well, I think women have insecurities, and I think, well, I know I did. I do have insecurities, and I think men have insecurities. So we all struggle in that area. Um, but and they probably come from childhood and then go into adulthood and then ultimately they 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 enter into our ministries too and so as a woman i struggled with insecurities coming into leadership and and filling that role of a campus pastor's wife and not really feeling like a pastor's wife but feeling like i had to you know perform sometimes just because of those insecurities And I remember at a small group, it was so beautiful how a woman came up to me and she just said, Rachel, nobody has your story and nobody can tell your story like you can. And that just freed me. And it was so simple. It kind of sounds like a Dr. Seuss book or something, but (laughs) it was so simple, but yet it just changed my life and it freed me. And so we all have insecurities. Like even right now, as we sit up here, we all have insecurities. Men struggle with insecurities. And so as a woman in ministry, just embrace the awkwardness of your insecurities and push through. And that's what I've done. And I'm not doing it perfect, but I'm doing it because I love people and I love God and I just want to share about Jesus. And so embrace the insecurities, you know, and then just and go for it. One of the things I would add to what these ladies have said is one of the key things I see in women in ministry in leadership roles is that sometimes women don't bring the fullness of their giftedness to the table. Mm. Like they kind of don't know, should I be all of this or not be none of this or just maybe be 30% of this? Because we all have different personalities and some women are stronger in their personality and more vocal. 
And so sometimes maybe she's more emotional because sometimes women will be called too emotional in leadership when really it's just passion on fleek. It's just passion on fleek. She is passionate about what she does. You know, for me, I am, and that's where I'm at right now. I am passionate about speaking the gospel. I am passionate about the sermons that I get to speak from in our house. I'm passionate about speaking and prophesying over people. And so sometimes, you know, you have to figure out, okay, do I bring it all at this time? It is a governance of wisdom. You do have to know when to scale back and then when to bring the whole gamut of who God has created you to be, right? I just believe that women are set at the table. Men cannot have a baby without a woman and they can't give birth to things in ministry without the woman's voice. And I'm not male bashing that because I honor my husband because he's in the room, praise God. But... But I'm just saying, you, sometimes we are struggling with that woman who says, I see things in the church a little different or maybe in this organization different. If we were to tweak this, but she may not know that her voice can be brought to the table, to the collaboration room, in a sense. And so I think that's one of the things that women may struggle with. Like, how far do I go? How much can I say without being too bossy? Come on, you know, say she's a boss. She's a leader and God crafted her that way. So, you know, that's just my two cents yeah. in the jar. No, that's awesome. Just two cents. I love you imagine it. what 10 would be like. I know. <laughs> that's good. That's good. It's good stuff. Now, I think that is so true that women, the biggest challenge or some of the biggest challenges we face is just, you know, because here's the deal is not only do you show up in a room and, or a meeting but your past shows up in the room and your past shows up in the meeting unless you've dealt with it. And, and oftentimes, here's the thing, church can be a safe place for people who were raised in a chaotic home, live a chaotic life and stuff because in the church there's peace and so we raise up people and they can flourish in this environment, in a peaceful environment, and then they get start being put in leadership and that chaos starts to follow them because they haven't dealt with it. And so you get in a meeting and you're chaotic and men are like, whoa, I don't know what to do with her. You know, if Matt come, if somebody comes and says, Pastor Matt needs to see you right away. I'm like, let me guess. It's a woman and she's crying. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, I don't know what to do when women cry and come go get somebody. And so it is, it's using that, you know, okay, Holy Spirit. But here's that we've got to deal with our past. You know, we, you, you don't live in your past, but you got to deal with it to move forward. If you're not dealing with your past, then it will just, you'll just drag it with you, you know? And, and there's some ways, and we'll talk about that kind of at the end. You can do it. Freedom, um, that comes from Highlands, is a huge win to help you deal with your past and stuff. So, okay, Celeste, I want to ask you this because you started off as um, Pastor Lori Champion's assistant, PA. So when I met Celeste, she was a PA just serving so well. And then you, you took a little break, had a baby, kind of maternity leave, and then you came back on as the women's pastor, correct? So what is all that like? And I want, you know, and what's it like to walk through and honor Pastor Lori and work for her? And now you're in a different role and you have a, like, just talk us through all those transitions and all those positions and stuff. 
Well, um, I've been on staff for 10 years now. My husband and I have been um, at Celebration for the last 15 years. And my titles changed like there was a lot of title changes between that. Um, but the, the two questions I would always ask is, how can I lift my pastor's load so they can do what only they can do? So good. And then secondly, like, how do I get to be a part of taking ground for the kingdom? And like, those are the two things that fuel me. So it doesn't matter what my title was, because in ministry, there's no ladder to be climbed. And I think that coming from a corporate background, that's a hard thing to to switch into. Um, But there's only obedience to be followed. And so it doesn't matter what your title is. I think one of the, you know, biggest things I have to coach women on is because they want to be a pastor. And I'm like, you are a pastor. If you're called to be a pastor, then pastor people. Like, you don't need a title to do that. (laughs) That's who you are. (laughs) And so um, it was an honor to walk into being our our women's um, hub pastor under the direction of Pastor Lori. So anytime she walks into a room and feels like it's her own and feels like this is my people, then I'm like, I did a good job here. Uh, I love to honor Pastor Lori because she has pastored me, mentored me, and been my friend um, every single step of the way. And I was, um, Chris Kane was just with us and gave this awesome message about the mat, and you should look it up and listen to it. But uh, I told her, I said, you're the one that pulled me off the mat. Like, I didn't want to get off the mat. I'm like a preacher's kid, sat in the back row of the church and did not want to be seen. And she's like, who is this girl? And brought me along and handed me her Bible. And I followed her around like a little puppy until she made me get up and made me start leading. And so it's been difficult in different seasons to transfer the first five years. I reported directly to our senior pastors who are world-class, amazing leaders. And then, um, you know, I was a communications director and many other things. And then I walked into uh, being our women's hub pastor. And I think one of the biggest challenges in that, honestly, was going um, from taking my value as um, being busy, like all of a sudden, I didn't have the same busyness that I once had. I wasn't working on reports until two o'clock in the morning. Instead, I'm being woke up at two o'clock in the morning because I have a pastoral call and someone just went to the hospital or someone died. It just looked different. Like no one was asking my opinion. Um, When I used to have my hands in every single area of the church. And for me, that was a real struggle and to change my identity. Like now my success is my obedience to Christ. You know, did I do exactly what God told me to do? Because sometimes people don't like it when you do that. (laughs) And so it doesn't look like a job well done, a event uh, that took place and it was successful. Um, Sometimes it looks like you had a really hard conversation and they're mad about it. And two years later, you see fruit from it. Um, And so I think, you know, just transitioning from that. And I would also just encourage you that if you are in a season of transition, that you give God your best yes. And so it doesn't matter what your title is, whatever you've been asked to do, no man can get in the way of what God has called you to do. So So man makes his plans, but God orders his steps. 
So wherever you are is exactly where God wants you to be. So serve your best in that particular area. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 13 says, for who can make straight what the Lord has made crooked. And I feel like I've made so many like twists and turns and I don't know what's coming around the bend half the time, but all I know is God, like you have your hand on me and I trust you in it. And I just wanna be obedient in every big thing and every small thing in my life. And so it's, it's definitely been a journey. It's still a journey. <laughs> Good. That's good. That's good wisdom right there. You can tell it's been hard earned. So Rachel, as a campus pastor's wife, how do you balance the um, maybe the vision of your pastor, Pastor Chris, and then the demands of the people that you actually pastor at your campus? Well, that's a great question. So <laughs> Pastor Chris leads us so well. Um, through vision. And so I'm so honored to be on his team and for him, the way that he leads us and Miss Tammy leads us to love God, love people, to pursue excellence, and then to choose joy. So I honor him and I thank God for Miss Tammy because she's always led us um, never to put pressure on us as a pastor's wife. It's never had to look a certain way. It's never had to um, to be, uh, there's been no expectations that have been put on me. And I'm so thankful for that because that's allowed me to also do our other value, which is to know God, to find freedom. And I found freedom and um, to discover my purpose, my purpose, not Miss Tammy's purpose or, or any of the other uh, pastor's wife's purpose, but my purpose, and then to ultimately make a difference. So I'm thankful for that vision of my pastor. It's so beautiful, and I follow it wholeheartedly. I love it. Um, to be a campus pastor's wife, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I think it may come from the values, but I, I, I don't look at it as the demands of the people as much as I look at it as, God, I get to do this? Like, this is, I get to be a part of, of someone's marriage coming back together or uh, someone's child coming back to Christ. I get to be a part of that. And so I never want to lose the wonder of, of it all, you know, of being, um, of being in a church that um, is a part of, it's basically a hospital for the hurting. And so I never want to lose that wonder of, of why I get to do what I get to do. And so I'm very thankful for that. Um, so there are demands. We are at a large campus and there are demands, but we even tell our children, like, this is not something that we are doing. This is who we are. Yeah. So whether we're on a staff position or whether we're campus pastors or not, you know, we are going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to choose joy. We're going to, you know, pursue excellence as a family. So it just rolls over into the church life. And so it, I don't know. I don't know if I look at it as the demands because there are hurting people. And this is what I've prayed for. This is what I signed up for. And um, this is what I'm honored to be a part of. And so I'm thankful for that. What a balance, though, and what a wisdom in what you just said, that you told your family, this is what we do because this is who we are. And I think that's a way to produce such a healthy family with your children. It's not, we do this because we're pastors and right. this is our job, because then they'll say, I don't want that job. Yeah. But it's, we do yeah. this because we love God, period. So every believer should really do this. And what a way to make your children not bitter at church necessarily, but maybe just say, this is my responsibility as a believer. That's wisdom. Yeah. That's great. Well, if I lose them to the world and the world's more attractive than our world, 
then I, that's, that's not worth it to me. So, so you know, um, Tamika, I'm going to ask you this, but I want to kind of set it up. But how do you honor your pastor while working closely with him? And here's something that's interesting. I just want to let you guys know. After 20 years of Matt and I serving together, actually nine months ago, I stepped off the lead team because Matt and I were not working well together. And actually, we probably hadn't worked well together in years. We just faked it for a long time. I mean, like, you know, like we, we got to where the eruptions in, in lead team staff meeting were a li- like the kids, we were fighting in front of the kids. You know what I'm saying? And like, everybody's like, whoo, mama, you know? And, um, and so I, I just, we didn't know what to do. So I just said, I'm going to step off lead team, you know? And really my attitude adjustment had to be, I'm going to step off lead team and let you have it. And you just go figure it out by yourself, you know? And so, um, and Matt and I did a couple of things about a year before then we got a coach because we were headed that worked with husbands and wives. And so she works with the wife, he works with the husband. And cause we were like, we're headed into new territory and we don't know how to do this. So we got a coach. Then after I stepped down, we had, we, we hired a counselor and we still have coaches. So it takes a village to help Matt and I do ministry together. So anyway, <laughs> just saying, so, <laughs> Hey, but listen, I will tell you this. I've just seen the value of a coach and um, we, we pay our coach and she is mighty blessed because, and he is mighty blessed because of what we pay them. But we needed them in our life. And here's what I've realized in the world. Here's what the world does. Uh, there is a super famous, super rich person is doing a million things and uh, great things. And some of you, if I said her name, might know her, but she has a coach in her life. She talks about her coach. And she said, me and my husband work great together, but we've had a coach and we've had counselors and we've had therapists. And I'm like, you know what? If the world's doing this, then girls, if you need help, get help. You know, if you're not working well with your husband, I brought my past in. Matt was bringing his past in. It was a mess. We were triggering everybody and everything and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) So, um, but I'm happy to say about a couple, yeah, about a month ago, um, through Matt's coach, he sent me an official, will you please come back on lead team letter? And I'm not going to take advantage of you as my wife. I want to work with you with your gifts and blah, blah, blah. And it was awesome. And so I am coming back on. So anyway, (laughs) nine month journey. But I tell you, here's what our coaches and our counselor were both like, you're keeping us all in the mix, aren't you? And we're like, yes, we are. So we're going to stay healthy. And so, but I do want you to know that Stacy and I have been talking about doing, um, I've been doing coaching and sweet Nicole said something last night. I love you. But anyway, I've been coaching some pastor's wives and stuff and even business people and some sports people and stuff. But we're really looking at putting together something for wives for ladies that serve on church staff to come alongside and coach you and help you. Because how many of you know you need somebody to get on the phone and say, I'm quitting. I hate this place. I can't stand that man. He's not even a Christian and I'm leaving and you need a coach to go. I hear you, but no, you're not. Okay, you know, and walk you through it. So some things are in the works. So just follow us on social media. Um, I'm not anti-social media, I'm sorry, but I'm a woman and I need relationships and I need to know what all y'all are doing. So anyway, um, I just minimize, you know, I just work my time and stuff. But so, you know, so Tamika, how do you, and we're, I, want, I want all three of you guys to answer this question, but how do you honor your pastor? Because when you get close to him, you get to know him. And sometimes yeah. they don't, you know, Yes. So answer that. 
and my pastor's like Read between in the, the lines. Oh, your pastor's in the room. One of my hu- my husband is my pastor. I know. Yes. <laughs> so no, seriously, in like you, like yes, you know, you and I have talked yeah. um, behind closed doors. Yes. And so yes, it is a challenge. The struggle. I know is, nothing of her husband. I know nothing. I know nothing. Okay. The struggle is real sometimes. It it really is because you see things differently in your own unique way. And one of the things that my husband would tell our church was that my wife was not called because I was called. She was called individually because I had answered a call prior to him. I was on my own journey with God. And God, I already had sensed the call. So I was like a minister in training. I was learning how to hear from God. So when we got married, it was like, you know, I'm called to. And he was like, I do. And he honored that call. And he would tell our church that too, like, he will say things like, she's a better preacher than me. And I am. Praise God. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You got you to gotta add a little humor. The older I'm getting, I'm more humorous right? than ever like, before. I'm just going to say it. So, you know, We're like. We're thinking it. Just say it. Right. You, no, really. No, just, just, I'm just joking, guys. But a little bit. But, um. <laughs> No, seriously, he would say things like that, like, she's a better preacher. He will build me up in front of the people. So that helps me to honor him. I don't always do it as gracious as I would like to, but that's where my fruit is being developed. See, now it's being developed when the scale back, Tamika scale back, he is the head. He is your pastor. And if he was any other pastor, how would you honor them? Would you listen to them with more ears apt to obey? Yeah. And so I've learned how to go in my secret closet and just, you know, my prayer time. And like, God, he is my pastor. Let me honor him. When he tells me to do something, let me be the first one to set the example in our church. If he says, jump, I need to be the first one saying, hi, hi. Showing some mission in that way. So, I mean, we do it. It has its dynamics. Seasons look different. Seasons do look different. Sometimes I'm like, you know, hey, God is speaking to me about this to you. And I don't always do that with my husband. But if I may nudge him about something or bring it to him, he will listen. But I'm always trying to glean from him and tell him, hey, that was a great message. You really blessed me. I mean, one Sunday... I felt conviction from his preaching and I was in full tears. I was at the door. We were getting ready to greet the people. And I said, I felt God in that for me. And I started crying and I kind of turned away so the people didn't see it. And he kind of rubbed my back. I was like, thank you, pastor. You know, like pastor me, like I'm still making heaven my home too now. So I need a pastor. So, you know, we, it just looks different, Martha. It looks different for us. Seasons look different. Yeah. So, okay, so you, your pastor is Pastor Chris. So how do you, you know, honor him? And, and you know, be, can you just share a little nugget of as a campus pastor's wife where Satan can try to get you sideways in honoring Pastor Chris? Well, Pastor Chris makes it really easy to honor him because he's um, just transparent. And, and when he's struggling or, or if he has a weakness, he's, he's very transparent with us. And so that just makes it easy um, to honor him. Um, where, I mean, how many cap, campus pastors' wives are in here? We have some. Oh, okay, wow. there's a few. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, I think that I see some I know too. <laughs> I think we have to um, always 
you know, it's Pastor, for us, it's Pastor Chris's vision that, that we're following. And so we are in submission to that always. Um, and so in, by him being transparent, it's just easy to, to honor him. Um, but, you know, my husband, I'm with him all the time, and I honor him too, but because he's learned to be transparent and all of that. Um, but, you know, he has weaknesses. You know, the other day he came in and— um, we're trying to get our back porch ready, and he's he's frustrated because he wants the soft yellow light, and Amazon keeps sending the the uh, LED light, and so I'm like, it's fine, just I'll go to Walmart or wherever Target and get some light bulbs. And he had a little moment of frustration, and so it was my choice then to say, okay. I'm going to carry this over and pout for three days because you snapped at me and you you just got back from Monday night service and you have you have given me an attitude after leading people. And so, you know, I had a choice that just then, and this is fresh and he's here and it's only two days ago. So, you know, or whatever today is, but it's okay because we love each other. We've been married 17 years and we're good. So, um, but, you know, I had a, I had a choice in that moment of either, um, staying mad at him for three days and pouting, or I could do, and I have to do this with, you know, everybody, but to forgive quickly, like immediately, you know, just choosing to stay focused and not letting just a trap of the enemy come in. And I haven't personally been offended by my pastor, but if I were to be offended by him and the enemy could use that uh, as a trap, I have to just forgive him quickly. You know, he's human. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are not perfect. He's a pastor and he's human. And so I'm going to forgive quickly. And I've learned that with my husband too, that just let it go. It's not worth it. So Celeste, you know Pastor Joe and Lori well. They're kids. You've been in their home. You've traveled with them. So how do you honor them? And now you're in a new season and stuff. How have you honored them all these years and kept your heart pure? And maybe what were some temptations that Satan tried to throw at your your way to not keep your heart pure? Yeah, you know, I, I want to go back to my assistant days. How many of you like are assistants in here? You support a staff, pastor? Okay, awesome. I, I just want to dig in that closet for just a minute because you get to see um, every side of your pastor's life. And you are invited into spaces that a lot of people don't see. And I think that the enemy really tries to drive in and divide in those moments. Um, and I, I just remember whenever I'd feel like there was any type of like maybe tension or maybe I just felt like I couldn't do anything right for a season or for a moment, I would realize that it was not Pastor Lori or Pastor Joe. It was the enemy trying to divide our house because the church is our house. And so I would immediately just get on my knees and say, God, align my heart to my pastor's vision because I'm here to serve them. That is my purpose. So align me to that. And then I would say, God, show me an area that I can serve them in. That's not something they asked me to do. That's not on my job description. Um, Like, let me go clean out their closet. Like, how can I bless them? And it was like immediately when I did those things, like everything that I had been feeling, whatever pressure from the enemy was coming in, it was immediately gone. And so I think it's important to not um, just even squash the fact that we are in a spiritual warfare all the time as staff. And um, we have to align ourselves to our pastors and the vision of the house. 
Um, but you know what? It's easy for me to honor our pastors. They are amazing. They're so fun and funny and authentic all the time. And I'm glad like when I'm with them that they feel like they don't have to have a filter. And it teaches me how to be real and authentic about the struggles that we really face in ministry, you know, like marriage issues and dealing with your kids and dealing with other staff or betrayals and finances and all kinds of crazy stuff. And when I see them be real with how they're feeling, I'm like, oh, well, good, because I don't have to be really holy right now. <laughs> like, I remember going through a season of betrayal, and I, I wanted to Instagram some stuff. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> but instead, I text Pastor Lori, and I said, you are my private Instagram account right now. <laughs> and so if I had a moment, and I just wanted to throw it out there, I just send it right to her, and, uh, you know, and, and, and she helped me adjust that, and she was my sounding board for those, those moments. And so, it's, it's easy to honor our, our pastors, and we just, I think it's important for us to constantly be making sure that our hearts are pure, not give the way for the enemy to have any part of our minds, which is our true battlefield, and just love like God loves. And I'm so glad because they haven't judged me on my worst moments. I've had some bad days in front of them, so I'm certainly not going to hold them accountable for their very worst day. I love that. And Stacey, I'm going to turn this over to you, but I do want to say one thing. You know, you can look to your pastor as a staff member or whoever as a spiritual dad, but they are not your dad. And if you haven't dealt with your father fracture, and if you haven't learned to go that God is your real God, I mean, your real dad, you know, he's your perfect dad and worked all that out, then you may be putting something on your pastor that he is, he's not supposed to carry. He may be a spiritual father figure, but he is not your heavenly father. So work all that out. Okay. That is really, really wise. In fact, uh, my husband and I were just having a conversation about that on the way here and just the grumbling and complaining, and it's all because of offense. And so I, I think that I, when we were just talking about Miriam and Aaron and Moses when they were complaining, and then she got cast out of the camp with uh, leprosy, and it wasn't because shame on you, you, pat, you talked against the, the authority. That, that's not the heart. The heart is because you're spreading an evil seed among people that really have nothing to do with it. And so I think the more mature thing to do would be to go to the person that might have offended you and say, I know you're heart. I know you love people. So can you explain this to me? Because surely there's a great explanation. And how life-giving is that versus murmuring and complaining and getting resentful and allowing this bitter root to grow up in your heart and then spreading it to other hearts. And then before you know it, your pastor is having you put out fires that he's like, where did this come from? I have more things to deal with than this. So thank you for saying that and bringing that up. And I, I like that as two perspectives, a pastor's expect, uh, perspective and then your perspective. So I think it's healthy to hear, to hear both of those. Tamika, so as uh, a camp, or excuse me, as a pastor of a church, I think one of the biggest things that we deal with, really anyone in leadership, is loneliness. And so in your position, have you found it hard to find authentic relationships within your church and without, outside of your church? And then how do you deal with the loneliness? Well, first and foremost, if we define authenticity for me, um, in the Hebrew term, um, authentic means kosher, you know, like kosher food. And kosher means that fit, that perfect true self. So I'm always going to try to present my true self to anybody I'm in relationship with. 
be it in my church or outside of my church, because that's just who I am at, at this point. I, my personality type is more sociable, so I connect to people quickly because I'm like sociable. I like to socialize and I like to build friends. However, what I've noticed in, in the rhythms of life is in rhythms of ministry is that because I'm more sociable, I have to make sure that I keep an intentional line of a boundary. Like I have to work to be intentional to keep some sacred space. So whereas in I'm going to make people always feel that they're connected and close, they may not always really be that close, but I'm going to make them feel that way. So to connect with them and I connect with kids really well too. So if they have kids, I connect with kids well, then I can connect that to a family. As far as building my personal relationship up in the church, I'm always trying to make people feel like they are welcomed, that they, are, they feel loved. But it's some that are based off a of purpose. Like if there's another young lady that's out in my ministry and I know she has a ministry call, then I may take her up like Jesus did, what was it, John, Peter, and James, and took them up on the mountain. And he transfigured before them. I may show them a little bit more of Tamika that they need to see more purposefully. I'm more intent with them. I'm more intentional with them. But I'm always going to connect because that's my personality type to connect with people no matter who they are, whether they're off the street or not. Now, one of the things that I would say is if you're in that leadership role such as myself, then you got to make sure your tribe is outside of your church. Don't build a tribe like that in your church. You get my point? When I say that, meaning don't show them everything. Like, don't curse in front of them. I believe that's what, you know, that's what Pastor Chris was talking about. Like, we need to make sure that's together. But maybe find your tribe outside of your church, outside of your city, that you connect with women who are in the same like manner as you. They serve, they are in that position. Who you can relate to. Like, I found a Martha. I found a Diane Nepstad that I can be my real self. I'm like, sis, this is what's going on. This is what's happening in my family. So you're able to stay healthy in that capacity. But make sure that, you know, people who are coming to your church... Just find small ways to connect with them. Maybe it's the way they dress. I like how you dress. You know, I like your family. Your son is handsome. I notice. Find little different things that you notice about. Remember names, too. Try to remember names. Like, I try to be intentional with that. People like that you remember their name. Like, oh, that's the, that, oh, you're the pastor and you remember you remember my name. So it's finding little small ways to connect with them. Um, even get up when, when it's time to greet in the church. I like to find the new people. It's just shake their hand. They don't know who I am from Adam's apple at that time, but just saying, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And so, yeah, there are times I'm lonely because it's a season of loneliness. Sometimes God is dealing with me. At certain times, like I said, it's easy for me to connect with people because of my personality. So I have to be more intentional to draw lines of boundaries. So, yeah, it puts you in a place of loneliness when God is saying, hey, scale back. You're talking too much. You need to scale back, Tamika. And that's hard for me. So then here comes the fruit of the spirit to help me develop in that area because I like to talk. I've got a undergrad in communications and you probably can see that. But, you know, those are things that, that I try to do when, this, when the Spirit of God says, scale back, shh, there's a season you need to be quiet and maybe observe your church. Yeah. Then, it's, then maybe it's another season to connect and, or maybe lead a small group. Yeah. Yeah. 
then I do those things. Yeah. And I know you said, um, you know, looking to outside to be the more authentic or more, maybe more transparent yeah. self. And, and, and I don't want to speak for your heart, but I think what you're saying is because those people can relate to you, those people know exactly what you need to hear before you even really say it. They can identify and they're a vault normally. They're a safe place for you. And I've heard this said before, and it is so um, powerful and it's also good boundaries for us in ministry. There is a difference between transparency and authenticity. Yeah. Authenticity says, you know what, me and my husband fight. We're not perfect, we're just like you. Transparency is, I told him he could go blankety blank, blank, blank. Well, not everyone really needs to hear that yeah, uh, because that right. can frighten some people. But what they do need to hear is that, yeah, they're just like me. The blankety blank part can be told to someone that is either your peer or someone that's over you that can help you. Because we don't want to just say things to say it. We need people to help us in the journey. Right. Right. So I, I think that's what you were saying. Like we could reach out to people in our, in our church. We can befriend them. But our transparent part, my blankety blank, that goes to people that can help me carry the load. Right. I believe there was one thing I heard Pastor Carrie say some years ago. She said, you should always be reaching back to pull up. Those are relationships you're bringing up. And then you, you need your sisters, those relationships who are on the same wavelength as you. They hold you up. But then you also need some girls ahead of you. They will grow you up. Yeah. So you need to be pulling back to pull up, reaching out to hold up, and then stretching forward to grow up. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Okay, so this has kind of been um, a little, it's come up a lot is social media, you know? So in a world where it is here, you know, and our kids are on it, and, you know, the Bible tells us to be, of, to be in the world, but not of the world. And so social media is a huge part of our world. So how, how do you manage that in your life? And then how do you get on it and, and keep yourself from comparing to everybody, you know, everybody else's story and stuff? So Celeste, we'll start with you. Talk a little bit about your social media. Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the greatest gifts that, that God's given to me in this season of ministry has actually been uh, what we call our Radiant Global. And I spoke a little bit about that. We have campuses in Africa. We have a campus in Italy and then um, in the prisons and then in the detention center. And I didn't realize, but I become most alive when I'm behind bars or on the mission field. <laughs> I'm like, I feel my most authentic self. And I'm like, what is that? And I realized it's because I'm, I'm stripped of all my devices. Like, no one's getting a hold of me. I'm not looking at what anybody else is doing. There is no one to take a really great picture of me and put a nice little quote and filter it five times. <laughs> There's no, like, followers to be gained. There's no one in the audience that might have me come speak at their conference. It's literally, like, the rawness, the truth of the gospel, um, and women sitting there that need the hope of Jesus, and I have it to deliver to them. And would you say it's just pure ministry? It is. It's the purity it's pure, of ministry. Yes, yes. And I feel like it's adrenaline for my soul. <laughs> Every time I go, I just got back from Africa on Thursday, so I'm a little jet-lagged still. Um, but it gives me exactly what I need to do ministry here um, because we can get so caught up in all of these things. And I, I realize like, it's so important that the only person that we're comparing ourselves to is ourselves. Like, where was I, where am I, and where am I going? Yeah. <laughs> 
Like that's the testimony of my life and that's the only person that God wants me to compare myself to so I can stay in my lane and cheery other people on along the way, but not just think, oh, you know, well, she's my age and look what she's doing. Like it's never gonna happen for me. And um, so I think, you know, for me, I have a, I have a timer on my, it's 15 minutes, 15 minutes a day and it goes off and I'm like, I'm done. It is over. And I'm putting this away because I just don't want, and I don't want my kids to see me doing it. You know, my daughter's 14 years old and she begged us going into eighth grade to have an Instagram account. And so it's just like, torn in this, like, we didn't have social media when I was growing up. I don't know what to do. And so we put boundaries around it and I gave it to her. Well, about six months in, she was completely emo. And I was like, what is going on with my daughter? Like, I know hormones are a real thing, but like something's going on. And one day I was in her room and she's not allowed to have her phone in her room. We do that all downstairs where it's everything's out in the open. And um, she's just like, why are you in my room? You know, like one of those things. And I was like, oh, I just wanted to talk to you. And all of a sudden I hear her, her uh, bag buzzing. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Pull it out. And there is some deleted messages and things going on. And it's not like her. She's my very type A, like I'm going to win with her, you know? And uh, I said, what's going on with you? And she's like, I-, I don't know. I just, I feel like I need other people to tell me, you know, that I'm, I'm good and that, you know, that I'm special and all of these other things. And I was like, wow. I was like, well, what do you think that we should do? And she's like, well, I just really think I need to get off social media. (laughs) And she completely gave me all the rights. We deleted everything off her phone. That was six months ago. And she has not asked me for it again. And she's back to being my little girl. (laughs) And so I, I just think, you know, for us, if we are battling comparison so much, then we need to ask ourselves, are we really in an authentic community? Because social media is not authentic and real community. And if we are in real relationships from each other, I'm getting that from you. I don't need to go and look at your life and compare myself to what I am or am not doing. Right. That's good. Rachel, how about you, being a campus pastor's wife? Well, I think social media, it doesn't all have to be bad. Um, I think that we, if we use it in the right way, it's a way of advertising when we're doing things and staying in community. And so it... It, it has its benefits, but of course, the enemy always comes in and, and uses things um, to, to, to distort that, what the innocence of it. Um, and I think, you know, social media has become an addiction for so many people. And I'll just be honest and say that if I'm not careful, it can become an addiction for me too. And so I have to be very careful on how much I consume. And I do that timer and it does help. And you can set it up on your iPhone and um, uh, set a timer for how much you are consuming. And I, I mean, we've always told our boys since they were little, be careful, little eyes, what you see. I would sing it. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. And it's the same thing in social media. Yeah, we may have certain friends on there that we're following, but, you know, there are other things that are getting in on social media that come up, and it's some of it's disgusting, and then some of it is like, oh, well, that's interesting. Let me look at this outfit, and it takes you down a path that you didn't mean to go down. And so you have to be careful with how much you're consuming in that, and so the timers are great, but you also have to be disciplined into turning that phone off and, and putting it down. And there is an, also a great feature. And this, more, this is more for me than it is for the people that are innocently posting, but there is a mute 
button on there. And so sometimes when I'm like secretly hating people and they don't even know it and they're innocent and I'm just like, oh, I just hate that person. You know, they're just always posting things and, you know, I'm having a bad day. Well, you can mute that person and you're not unfollowing them until you can get your heart right with Jesus. <laughs> and then you can go back to, to, to uh, listening to them again. But yeah, there is a mute button so you can mute it or you can just delete it from your phone and stay off of it for a while. Yeah, so good. Okay, Steve. So for everyone, um, I think that we probably all have dreams that we have inside of us that are yet to be fulfilled. But when you're facing those dreams, how do you um, walk with faith toward them without striving? You know, and I was thinking about this on the plane on the way up here. And this is something I think that's always, I, I'm my natural, how many Enneagram people in here? Yeah, I'm a three, which is like, really, God, I'm a three. And I just don't really love being a three. But yet, you, you get me. And so us threes, like, we are, we are driven people. So that works against the striving that we're not supposed to have. So I find that this is something that the Lord is always challenging me. And I'm always having to go, to, uh, you know, on my face uh, to him about this. But I think something that I felt like the Lord spoke to me on the plane that really challenged me was instead of running after our dream, let's just run after God. And that dream will follow us. And, and here's why. Because often when we first get a dream inside of us, you may be perfect and holy in here, and I may just be all just sin and, and selfish. Who knows? But for me, it's often self-glorifying that dream. I may not even realize it at the time, but when I think about it, it's really kind of for me. But as we run after God and that dream delays and that dream delays and that dream delays, it's that time when that dream is being purified so that when we finally get to the place where God says, after all, this is my dream, not your dream. And so now I'm going to give it to you. It's been purified. Your heart has been purified. You know, we, we speak of, you know, God can do greater and uh, more than we could ever dream or imagine. And we love to quote scripture like that. But what if the dream, the more than we can imagine, the greater than, what if it's something that looks completely different than the way the dream started? What if the more than is for eternity and souls, not necessarily for our glorification? What if the more than is for Christ's glorification? And when it's like that, it's going to look completely different than the way we saw it maybe 10 years ago or five years ago. But if we're running after that dream, wanting it to look exactly like what we saw it, it's really not, we're gonna have to strive to get it because it's for our glorification. And so that just challenged me because I thought, you know, God, it takes the pressure off of me to have to produce something that looks like what's in my heart. But instead, I just follow the Lord and he'll produce something that's much greater. It will look different, but it will bring way more glory to the kingdom. Yeah, good. Stacey, we are out of time. I just glanced okay. down and was like, we are out of time. So let me tell you guys a great thing to do because all of you serve. I mean, most of you, hopefully you're in here, you serve on staff at some level. Here's what we tell our staff. Find three people in other churches that are doing what you do. And just reach out to one another and make, do phone calls. And, you know, I, I, you know, this phrase, do it afraid, 
you know, has kind of been out there for a while. A couple years ago, I just started saying, do it awkward, you know? <laughs> Introduce yourself awkward. Make the awkward phone call. Just reach out and do it awkward. So that is a huge encouragement. If you need a coach, get a coach. If you need a counselor, get a counselor. But let's be in this for the long haul. Don't let Satan get a foothold and pull you out, unplant you in your church and from your calling in ministry and stuff. And so these girls, we're going to be up here and around a little bit. But um, so if you have any questions or you want to ask them about their positions, but then reach out to each other and say, hey, you do the same thing I do. And that's a great place to start with. How do you handle this situation in your church? And how do you handle this and things? So um, so we appreciate you guys. Stacey, would you just pray over us yes. real quick before we go? Absolutely. Father, I thank you for every beautiful, intelligent, chosen woman in this room. God, I thank you that you speak our destiny over us. You speak life over us. God, I thank you you have good plan for us all the days of our life. And no matter what the enemy throws at us, Father, if we follow you, we will walk in your blessing. No weapon formed against these women shall prosper in their ministry, in their families, in their emotions, in their mental health. Father, I thank you that we're going to choose joy daily. I thank you the situations that are stirring up around us that just seem like hell is on earth. Father, I thank you that it's going to burn out as quick as it came in. Father, I just pray blessing over them and peace and righteousness and joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You guys are dismissed. Have a great rest of the day. shout your praise forevermore.